You enjoying the crisp air? When I was outside walking around, I was just like, you get like an oxygen rush by doing that because the air is so fresh and just, it's, it's invigorating this morning out there. And uh, did you enjoy breakfast? There was so many options. There were so many. And it just kept going and going. And you ever go through the buffet line and you put too much on your plate in the beginning? Before you really get to the, to the full spread, I didn't realize that. So I'm going to pace myself. <laughs> well, I had a good conversation over breakfast just listening to, to, to Neil and Chuck share some stories about some of their friends that have invested in them or running mates of theirs. And, and something I want to encourage you with is to keep something handy to write things down uh, this week. Keep a pen handy. Keep a notebook handy. Or keep your phone handy or something to where you can jot down ideas you hear or stories that are shared, principles that, that, you, that you're catching. Uh, because as you're moving along in life, if you don't write it down, you'll soon forget it. And so as soon as I got back to my uh, room, pulled out my journal and, and jotted down a few thoughts from what Chuck and, and Neil were sharing so that I could, uh, well, I reflected on a little further some of the, some of the things that they've learned. Uh, but I wanted to jot it down and start thinking through how I could apply that in my own life and, and even just think through that with people I work with. And so I just really, I, I, I want to encourage you on that. Keep a, hand, keep a pen handy, okay, this, this week. Uh, this is what I want to look at uh, this morning, patterns and practices. What are the patterns and practices uh, to pass on in your life? And last night we looked at this, the beginning of 2 Timothy. Uh, and I just want to read, reread verses 8 through 12. And then we'll pick up in verse 13. Isn't that these verses that I'm going to reread are, are not on the screen, but I'll just read them. So Paul writes to Timothy, So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord, or ashamed of me, his prisoner. But join with me, and this is a, the, the big ask, the invitation. Join with me, Timothy, in suffering for the gospel. By the power of God who has saved us and called us, to a holy life, not because of anything we've done. That's that's the, the good news, the gospel. is It's not because of what we've done. We haven't earned it. But because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has, been, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Paul says, of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I'm suffering as I am. As we mentioned last night, he's he's in prison for this. He's he's awaiting his execution at this point. And yet I am not ashamed, he says, because I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. And then Paul, he shifts gears here and he essentially tells Timothy this. He, he, he tells him to do this, to guard all that has been entrusted to you. Okay, to guard. And 2 Timothy 1, 13 and 14, it reads this. You'll see it up here. What you, Timothy, heard from me, Paul, so what you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching. To keep this word here, it just it's 
in the Greek, it's echo, okay? And to keep the pattern, is, it's the idea of uh, sketching or tracing like uh, the artwork of an artist, the outline of an artist. And so uh, just you have a pattern, now, now draw that pattern, trace that pattern in your own life. You've seen something in me, now that's a pattern for you to, to, to live from. It's a pattern of sound teaching, he says, with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Then he says in verse 14, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard these patterns, guard these teachings, guard this way of life. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. I really want to focus on this idea this morning, to guard what's been entrusted to you. This is, this is all back before printed Bibles, printed personal Bibles. Uh, no one had that. No one had their own uh, version, you know, no, no one had their own personal scrolls to, to lug around in wheelbarrows. Uh, what, what did they have? Example. They had example. Timothy had Paul's example that was laid out before him, and he's saying, look, guard that. It's been, it's been deposited... <laughs> into you. It's entrusted to you. They had lives. Timothy had a life to, to, to trace. He'd seen the example in Paul. This is what new disciples would do. In those days, it would be a person would share their life with another person, help them come to know Christ, and begin to pour their life into them, and share their life with the new disciple, the new Christ follower, and a pattern, a reliable example was set. And the concern was this. The concern was in the handoff. That was the major concern is that is, is, is what's in me accurately and carefully and faithfully handed off to the new disciple? Is it handed off well? Is there anything of significance that is, is being lost in, that, in the handoff is there anything that, that they've forgotten? Is there anything that they've tweaked? We don't want anything like that to happen. It, with a handoff, you want a nice handoff, and you want to make sure that it's, it's intact. Uh, that's a lot of pressure, isn't it? It's a lot of pressure to make sure that, that that process is done well. And so Paul reminds him, hey, I know it's a lot of pressure, but don't worry. God provided the help of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit actually is quite involved in this process when we're learning from the examples of others, when we're learning how to walk with, with Jesus. In case we wonder, you know, how, how did Timothy really remember what Paul taught him? Well, the Holy Spirit helped him remember. And this is actually, when you look at how did the Bible get passed on, and, and he, the Holy Spirit was, was guiding and, and so involved in that process that nothing was lost in that handoff. God was entrusting his message and it would move from life to life to life. And, and now we, we actually have the benefit of having personal Bibles. It's, it's, it's amazing. We have the ability to, to have the Scripture. We're going to look at that tonight, and I'm sure we'll be looking more at that throughout the week. But we'll look specifically at how we've been entrusted with God's Word tonight. But we have this ability to get into the Scripture for ourselves, and it comes in all sorts of forms now. It's digital. It's audio. It's print. It's, it's uh, pay, you know, we, we could... Uh, 
there might be some other forms there. You internalize Scripture. We, we, we need, and we need the Scripture in our lives. Uh, but people's lives are, are such an example. They, they bring to life words on a page. It's a living example. That's what Timothy had when he'd seen Paul live his life out. When someone pours into us and shares their example, it really is a reliable example to trace from. And so right now, you, you've got a, a chance in this season of your life to, to learn from and walk closely with some people who are further along than you. There's just some people here in the room, some of your leaders or even some seniors here that are walking with God and that are, are pace-setting examples. And this is a challenge to just pay close attention to their lives and really, like, get in close and see, what are they doing now? How are they going to face this now? What are my leaders doing right now? What, is their li- what, is, what are their lives like? How do they handle stress and pressure and what you're doing is you're sort of tracing around the corners. You're sort of, you're watching their life, and you're like, oh, that's how it's done. You're tracing. And then you, you watch their life a little more, and you oh, okay, they do that. Okay. You're tracing that example that, that, that they have laid out. They've just, you know, sometimes people lose. They're in grief. They lose loved ones, or, or they walk through suffering. And again, you pay attention very closely, and you're seeing, okay, what, what are they going to do with that? And you're tracing that example. And you're storing in your mind, in your memory, in your heart, a pattern that God's going to call up with the help of the Holy Spirit at, at different points when you hit difficulty. Or, or they just got married. You have people in the room that are married. You have people in the room that have kids. And again, you're just you're, you're carefully tracing that example that you've seen them live out. And, and you know now you're like, oh, how are they going to do this now? They're not getting any sleep. You know, When you have young kids, you don't get a lot of sleep. Amen? Amen. And so you're, you're, you're paying attention. What do they do now? What, what's happening in their personal life? What's happening in their, in their walk with God? And, and, and It's midterms. It's finals. Are they, are they going to loosen their grip on, on, their, on their spiritual disciplines? Are they going to walk with God through this? Or are they just going to get back to it in the fall? No, the, the, the leaders, the pace-setting examples, are, are reliable people that you can actually say, wow, they, look at how serious this is for them, and you're tracing after that pattern. And we're paying attention because someday, as we're moving into our careers, and as you leave this environment of, of training and, and of, of education, uh, God can use that living picture, and then you can pass that on to others. So here's, here's a picture that we're familiar with of this idea is... The baton pass. Has anyone ever, do we have any track and field runners here that were involved in the baton pass relay? So a handful of people have run races. And, and in, in the sixth grade, I was chosen to be a runner in a, a 4 by 100 meter invitational. It was called the Bear Flag Invitational. It was in Sonoma. I was sixth grade. It was, I don't know why they chose me. I mean, I was, I was not a track person, but I, I was I was fast, but, you know, I felt like I, their legs, you know, they could, one, one stride was like five of my strides, it seemed like, for the taller guys. But, but anyway, I was chosen, and in my mind, this was like Tokyo 2020, you know what I mean? And I'm, I'm stretching out, and I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm warming up. I see the competition. I'm clearly out of my 
league, but we had trained and practiced together as a group. And uh, the the my friends, it was Tim, a guy named Tim, tall guy, good runner, fast. Veronica, good runner, fast. Myself and this guy named Corey. And I was the third, you know, runner in the in the relay. And Tim did as he needed to do. He he's just he he sprung right from the start, gets a good lead, passes the baton to Veronica. She keeps the pace that, that Tim had set. We're in the lead. And I'm like, okay, here it comes. I'm ready. I start doing, you know, get my, get my feet moving. And the baton is passed. I've got it. And I'm keeping the pace. But somehow, in the handoff to Corey, I dropped the baton. And uh, we lost. We came in dead last. We couldn't recover from it. And uh, I wanted to look around and blame Tim or Veronica or... <laughs> Corey, but it, but it was, it was on me. I mean, I, I dropped, I, I, it was just sort of like in the excitement of we're winning, we're winning, we're about to win. I'm a part of this. Something happened. I can't, it happened so fast. I dropped the baton and in life and in, 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 in walking with God and walking alongside people, we, we can be off to a good pace and moving and then fail to do our part at the end. And this, this really reminds me of the process of what Paul's describing here. When he says, guard the good deposit, it, it, we, need to, we need to make sure we do our part fully until, until it's done, until it's passed on. The very first Easter at, at my church, uh, a husband and wife showed up, and they, uh, they began coming to our church and... Soon after coming, uh, they, they were Christians, but they were struggling in their, in their life, in their marriage. Uh, a few years older than I was, and we got to know them, became really good friends. Not long after that, they brought their brother. Uh, they brought her adult brother, who was about my age, same age. And I'm preaching one Sunday morning, and this guy's sitting there next to his sister, and I'm thinking, God, I know that guy. He looks so familiar. So I go and meet him after service is over, and I see his name tag, and it says, Harry. And I'm like, Harry, I'm Josh. And he goes, you, we had worked together at that, I told you about the yogurt and sandwich shop I worked at right after I became a Christian. We were coworkers together, and I said, Harry, it's been like, you know, at that point, let's see, you know, 13 years, 12, 13 years at that point. I hadn't seen the guy in a long time. I began to just catch up with him, and, and how have you been? It was, he'd, he'd had a pretty rough go at life, and uh, drugs and alcohol. And he was re- in recovery, and he was at church because his sister said, you ought to come with me. I found this new church. And so we enjoyed kind of catching up and talking about what's been going on. And, and as I was talking to him, I remember that I'd shared the gospel with him. I remember sharing my faith. And I said, hey, didn't, didn't I? We hung out, didn't we? Yeah, he said. Yeah, I remember I, I'd come over to, to your campus to Cal Baptist. Oh, that's right. And then I started all these memories started coming up. You shared with them, Josh. Actually, he responded to the gospel, and he he started coming around. I started introducing him to my friends. Started trying to disciple the guy. Uh, but a few weeks into things, I, I quit my job at the yogurt shop. I I didn't see Harry much anymore. This was like uh, before the personal cell phone era. And uh, texting, and, and I, I, I just didn't think to, to do a whole lot after that with Harry. And, and years had kind of 
just gone by. I hadn't seen the guy in over a decade. And, and what had happened there was this. I failed, I failed to pass the baton fully. Something went wrong. You know, I, I made the attempt, but I fumbled it along. I, I, I got half-hearted, you know, in, in my effort. I, I failed to do, by, do my part. And the point here is that the job is not fully done until they're prepared to pass it on. And, and I learned a valuable lesson at that point. I dropped the ball. He, 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 he did. It wasn't in him yet to where he was able to, to say, I've got it, and I'm ready to now pass that baton on. It wasn't, wasn't done. And the challenge in life is you just can't predict how long you're going to have with people. You, you don't know when they're going to move. You don't know whether they're going to be transferred. You don't know when you're going to move on. And so we're told to be faithful with, with the pass and to pass it on to faithful people. People have done this in, in our lives. Look at 2 Timothy 2.2 2, and the things you've heard me say. In the presence of many witnesses, entrust a reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. God, God has entrusted to, to our care and protection for his purposes people. We begin to invest our lives in people. Some of you are beginning to do that. And it's not, it's not just how you start the process. Like I said, I shared the gospel with that guy, Harry. I started helping him. Uh, but something happened in the baton pass. I dropped the ball. I draw or I dropped the baton. And, and it really is making sure you finish. I'm not really finished until, I've, you know, until that person has begun to pour into someone else. Uh, for me, this was valuable. Very, very helpful for me to see. I shared with you about my mentor yesterday, uh, one of my mentors, Randy Lanthrop, the pastor of Church in the Valley. He, he poured into me. He continues to build into me. We have a meeting uh, every other week in Norco, and I just bring a list of questions, and, and we share life together, and, and he shares about things he's working through, and I do the same, and I ask him questions, and, and we just enjoy uh, time with one another. Uh, but here's a picture that it's, means a great deal to me. This is a picture of, of four generations. Uh, the man right here is Harold Bullock, pastor of Hope Church. Uh, years ago, uh, he was studying uh, at another school, we'll say, at SC. <laughs> I didn't want to, you know, say the other school in case it was the other school. <laughs> and uh, he was working on his, his Ph.D., I believe, in chemistry, and he was investing as a campus minister in the in the Baptist Association of LA and and he began to pour his life into this guy right here Thad King and I don't know if you've ever any of you have met Thad King he's a pastor in Huntington Beach uh, and Thad King began praying for a man to invest in and Thad King at Cal Baptist uh, invested in, in Randy Lanthrop who is doing a selfie here in case you're wondering why is he so <laughs> and so from generation to generation to generation. I, I arrived at Church in the Valley 12 years after they started. Uh, Randy wanted to continue to train up, raise up men in the congregation who would plant churches. And, and, and so this is a picture that I, I just am reminded about this verse, 2 Timothy 2.2, seeing these four generations. And, and now it's my job to make sure that as I'm investing my life into people that I do the full baton pass. And to, 
I'm not really done until they've begun to pass that on to others. And then even after that, there's still a role of encouragement. These guys encourage one another still. This, uh, you'll see at the end of the sheet that you have there, I'm going to sort of give you an assignment to work on in a little bit to begin to think through how to identify the people in your life and, and who you're learning from and who, who, who can you be passing your faith and your life on to. I want to encourage you to evaluate that. I learned that lesson with, with Harry. Um, I don't want to have, I don't want to keep bumping into Harry's in my life. Like, hey, remember me? Uh, you look vaguely familiar. Did I share with you too? I want to make sure that I spend the time. I want to make sure that they can trace what they've seen in me, that they, that they understand uh, enough to, to move forward. I want to encourage you in this point. Choose your running pack carefully. Some people are deserters. Some people won't. You'll look, they're right beside you, and then all of a sudden, they peel off. Paul, Paul experienced that. He, he lays out in this book a list of deserters along with a list of, of people that he ran with. Some people are faithful to stay focused over their lifetime. They're, they're finishers. But you'll want to choose your running pack carefully. The reason why you want to choose carefully is because you'll be a product of, of that group of people you run with over time. Their lives will imprint on yours. Their patterns, their habits, their disciplines, uh, their heartbeat towards things. Those people you run with will, will imprint on your life. So choose carefully. Look at 2 Timothy 1, 15 through 18. There's just lists of, of, of names. You could just see he, Paul had a running pack. He says, you know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, he tells Timothy, including Phygelus and Hermogenes. May the Lord show mercy to the household at Bonissiphorus. Here's one guy that really refreshed him. He says, because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. When you find a season that, that, you, that you, you get off track, you can almost always trace the influence of your, your circle of friends, your closest circle of friends. Whenever you, whenever you say, man, I, I'm way off track, you can, almost, you can almost always just say, this group that I'm running with, there's something that's imprinting on me that's not helpful right now. Same thing as when you see, wow, I'm on track, I'm growing, I'm, I'm investing in what matters to God. You, you can almost always connect that to the people you're running with, your running pack. So choose very carefully. Paul goes on in, verse, uh, in chapter 4. He says, only Luke is with me. Tells Timothy, get Mark. Bring him with you. He's helpful to me in my ministry. And he says in verse 12, I sent, you guys have Mr. G here? Mr. G, I met you earlier. We're going to call him Mr. T because this guy's name is hard to say. I sent Mr. T. <laughs> Mr. T to Ephesus. When you come, he says, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troy. What you're seeing here is it's a relationship. Paul and Timothy, they know each other. They're close. They, they're talking about people that they know, people who've refreshed him, people who've invested in him. 
There's personal needs that, that Timothy is, uh, is able to help Paul with. Bring my scrolls, especially the parchments. And down verse 19, greet Priscilla and Aquila in the household of Anisiphorus. Erastus stayed in Corinth, and I left Trophimus sick in Miletus. Do your best to get here before winter. Eubulus greets you, and so do Houdens, Linus, Claudia, and all the brothers. And You're starting to see some of the running pack that Paul had run with still precious to him, but he's, he's, he's far from them. He, they, there was a point when people could visit him, not, not really uh, uh, in this situation. Paul had his running pack. And so the big question for, for us is, who, who am I running with? Not just who, who did you run with a few years ago or even a year ago or even if you, are you still running with him? Who, who's your running pack now? Who are you learning from now? What are you learning from them? thought it'd be helpful to, to share some of the patterns and practices that, that, I, that I have been able to trace through my leaders. So I showed you that picture of, of those four uh, generations. Randy, my pastor, uh, you can go back to, the, to that slide of the, of the picture. One of the things that I, that I traced and looked at very carefully was his... He, he really focused on reaching uh, adults, reaching men. Now, he, he, he was not to the neglect of, of teenagers or children in the church, but he really, really aimed to set a pattern for reaching men. And he, he tried to use his, his wiring, his skill set, his hobbies to meet people and to share with them. But he, he started talking to me a lot about the power of reaching people that you're, you're, you're in the same stage of life with or pe- people that you're like. Not to the neglect of others, but like reaches like. That was, that was a pattern that he said, now this is not a, a hard, fast policy, but it typically goes that right, like reaches like. Uh, your students, uh, this is a season where God uh, has you around a lot of others in class, on campus, uh, at work. There's just people in the same stage of life, other students. Like reaches like. This is a season to buy up to reach other students. You have things in common that make it very difficult for someone like me to reach a student. Now, it's not that I can't reach a student. I can certainly share with a student. If, if God move, is moving, I, I may be the one to help lead a student to Christ. But students have the ability to reach students like reaches like. And, and this pattern that I was observing in Randy's life, it wasn't just that he was saying, hey, like reaches like. But what was happening was at Church in the Valley, I kept bumping into men that he had reached at, at, you know, in town. Often it was through sports. Randy was a jock. He, was a, he played baseball for a brief stint at Baylor University, and, but he grew up playing baseball. He was quite an accomplished uh, catcher. And he used baseball to reach out. He used Little League as he was coaching Little League to try to reach the dads uh, at, at the Little League complex. And, and I would bump into men at our church, and I say, How, how'd you come to church in the valley? And they'd say, oh, well, my son was playing baseball, and I met a guy named Randy Lanthrop. Oh, yeah? And I, I, I just met a handful of guys. This was their story. They'd met, they'd come to Christ through meeting Randy Lanthrop, and, and I, saw, I saw the head of households coming to faith in Christ, and then how that began to pass through uh, to the rest of the family, and I, I was really 
over time, I would, I would talk about, yeah, our church, we, we reach uh, the head of household. And, and, and I would talk about that as if, I, as if that was internal in me. It really wasn't internal in me early on. And Randy saw that, and so he started challenging me. And he said, Josh, I think you're going to need to grow in evangelism. You're going to need to figure out how to lead men to Christ. And I said, I know how to do that. And I cited some examples from the mission field, times when I traveled overseas and, and uh, talked with strangers. And, and he said, yeah, but I, I want to encourage you to start reaching adults here and now, coworkers, people that, that you live near, people you can identify with, people that are like you. I know how to do that, Randy. I know you know how to do it, Josh, but I want to I see you do it. <laughs> so for, for months, I, I sort of thought, okay, I could do that, but I, I didn't really get after it. And I went to a church planting assessment at one point because I sensed God was calling me to church plant. And I went through this entire assessment, and they scored me low on evangelism. And I brought the assessment to, to Randy to debrief it with him, and I was chapped. Randy, they said, I don't know how to do evangelism. Well, they're right. <laughs> so, Josh, you're gonna, if you're going to lead people to, to plant a church, you need to know how to. They need an example of what that looks like. So you're going to have to learn how to do that. And he just kept saying that to me over and over. Finally, one day it clicked. And so I started praying, God, would you give me an opportunity? Give me some ideas. And so I... What came to me was, why don't you go play some men's softball at this park called Big League Dreams that they had just built in our area. Had uh, six ball fields, a couple of sports bars and restaurants, and I, I went there one day with my gear, and I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try out for a team. And then at the last moment, I thought, I don't want to try out for a team. What if no one picks me? I'll be a coach. <laughs> so I rallied two or three other guys. I went and I went to the tryouts as a coach, and I, I just sort of scouted the competition. And I, I picked up guys on my team that were really good at, at softball. And uh, and one of the guys I met, his name was Sean. And I thought he was, uh, thought he was Hispanic like me, so I, I wrote down, on my little thing, I want the Hispanic shortstop. He's really good. He's got a good arm. Turns out he's not Hispanic. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> but as I got as I got to meet him and began to talk to him, his name was Sean. He's an LAPD cop. Uh, he worked for LAPD. His wife's name was Erica. My wife's name is Erica. I said, wow, we have that in common. Our birthdays are one month to the day apart from each other. We had a lot in common, grew up doing similar things, and began just getting to know him, began to share with him, uh, invited him to things. He invited me to things, built trust uh, with him, and, and eventually actually invited him to a men's retreat that our, our church put on. And, and driving home from the men's retreat, I started asking him questions about uh, his response to everything he was hearing all week and some of the conversations he had with different guys and just his, his response, and, and I asked him if he understood what it mean to, meant to follow Christ, what the Bible's definition of a Christian was. He said, I, I don't know that I really do. I said, well, do you want, do you want to know? Yeah. And in my mind, I'm like, you do? <laughs> <laughs> you're a cop. You're a, you know, you're, uh, I, I was shocked at that. So we, we went to my apartment. I shared the gospel with him. I said, You want to become a Christian? <laughs> I do. Now? <laughs> now? Now. 
So I prayed with him, committed his life to Christ. He picked up the phone. He calls his wife, Erica. He said, Josh just made me a Christian. <laughs> and you're going to become one too. <laughs> so my wife got with his wife later that evening and, and led her to Christ. And uh, they're dear friends. Uh, you know, they've had their ups and downs, but they're walking on with Jesus. God's using them still at Church in the Valley. Uh, they just helped rally uh, a couple of meetups to reach out to non-Christians and to connect people there in church. And, and, but that principle of like reaching like, that was sort of a key pattern and practice that I saw Randy doing. He would talk about it, but then I saw and I met men that he was leading, that he had led to Christ, and that he, he continued to try to figure out, how do I meet people? I'd heard he was trying to play men's baseball at one point. Randy was playing men's baseball. I think he stopped doing that at a certain point because I think there was an injury that came after that. But, um, but, but he was in an effort to reach out, whether it be coaching or different things. He was still trying to figure out, how do I get around non-Christians, that, people that need Christ? And that really helped me. It was, it, it, again, it was tracing. I was able to, well, through those years at Church in the Valley, it was, okay, how do I do more of this? And once I began to share with people I wanted, I wanted to experience more of that. I wanted to help others come to Christ. In fact, Sean and I began to try to reach out to people through baseball together while we were living there in, in that area. And we were able to help another guy named Harold come to Christ on our team. And, and you know, just this picture of start reaching men, it was a challenge of how do, how do I get around people? And sometimes that's the question. How do I get around? How do I structure my life in a way to where I get around those that need Christ? Uh, one of the things that another thing that came to me was working through the coworkers of of some of my good friends. Uh, they had a, they had a pool of, of of people around them, and so I would meet my co my friends for lunch as they would invite their coworkers to lunch, and we'd begin to share with them. and And even after I moved and planted OCC, our church, uh, this pattern of evangelism was something that we then just began to do there. And we had enough stories back at Church in the Valley to then move to a new place and as a team begin to do that. Uh, but it was very important that, that that was in me. So I'm just saying, students, this is a, this is a key opportunity, a, a key season to try out this practice. Another is the principle of 2 Timothy 2.2. You can look again at that verse on your, on your handout there. But I saw that in action. I saw that at Church in the Valley. I saw... Through our core leaders. I saw it through Randy's life. I saw it through Neil's life. And I saw it through another leader there named Nathan. And it was, what I saw was they were pouring their lives into hungry people. Uh, Neil, Neil's, the evidence of Neil's life and ministry is sitting in this room. Not just in this room, but spread throughout the country. And, and just the influence, the longevity of, of someone who he and his wife have just stayed the course uh, for decades doing this. Uh, this is a, someone asked me last night, what do you, what do you appreciate about Neil? I just said his longevity and his sacrifice. Uh, pastors are supported through tithes and offerings of their church and to, to build a support base and to keep focused on the work to where your supporters know this is, this is worth continuing to give towards. That's, that's um, remarkable to do this for the decades that the walkers have done this. But then I look at the influence of the, the people that they raised up or the people that Randy Lanthrop has raised up. And I, I had only, again, that's a pattern and a practice. The living picture of 2 Timothy 2.2 is, is, is something I was able to watch and sort of see, oh, this is how it's done. This is how you build people. 
This is how you build leaders. I had only ever seen churches hire from seminaries. When a church had a need, they would call the seminary, and the seminary would send them some names, or they'd send them a, a person. Uh, but Church in the Valley was home-growing their leaders and their future staff as a pattern, not as a policy. I don't think, I don't think there's a policy against hiring from a seminary, but the, the idea of raising someone up was something I just had never seen before until I got to Church in the Valley and began to say, wow, look, at, I see this. And so for us at our church in Riverside, we have a staff of 12, uh, part-time and full-time, and it's all homegrown. Again, it's, it's a pattern. We saw the pattern. It's not a policy for us, but it is a pattern. We've been able to pre- we prefer that direction. And I, was see- I had seen that scriptural pattern, IRL. You know? That made a big difference. In real life, I saw it. I was at a conference in, in Florida recently where Harold Bullock, the man who was in the middle of that picture, he was speaking at this conference, and he did a great job. He was talking about God's training program through the decades of our lives. You, you, there are certain things that God wants to do in our 20s, objectives and goals and barriers and challenges, and he traced it through Scripture and the lives of people in Scripture, and then he, he went to the 30s and objectives and goals and barriers and challenges. He had an example from Scripture in the 40s. And, and for each decade, through the, he went up through the 60s plus. With each decade, you could hear sort of groans throughout the room. He said that the decade you know, of 20s is for training. That's the summary of the, of the 20s. He said that's for training. He said in the 30s, the goal and the, the, the summary of the 30s is building. You're building in your 30s. He said in the 40s, you're, uh, you're it's testing. He calls it the firewalking 40s. And that if you, if you make it through the 40s, you, you'll have leadership, deep leadership in your 50s, 60s, and beyond. And in, in your 50s, 60s, these are the years of pouring out your life. And, and he traced it through examples. And, he gave, and, and as he walked through each decade, there was probably 150, 200 people in the room as he got to the decade where people found themselves, you'd hear a groan like, oh. <laughs> and there was like this, this sense of agreement with Harold as he shared. And it, he, was, he, was, he, was, he was just describing some things he'd, he'd seen in Scripture that jumped out, and he was passing that on. And at the end of his talk, I mean, I, w- I thought he did a fantastic job. He, get, he got to the end, and... and um, he walks off the stage, and there was a golf clap for him. And I'm like, come on, everybody. I'm thinking in my mind, a golf clap? 72 years old, raised up a number of, of you know, hundred, over 100, maybe hundreds of leaders from, from his church. Um, next up was a speaker, a Christian motivational speaker, the next, uh, the next day. And celebrity status. I mean, if I mentioned the name, you'd, you'd know. You wouldn't necessarily know him, but you'd know sort of about him. He had recruited some huge sports talents in his lifetime. And he's a good, godly Christian man. I could, uh, I could mention his name, and you'd ooh and ah. And I'm at this conference. And he, th- this other guy was the draw to the conference, in a sense. And, uh, and I'll admit, I was a little starstruck, too. 
I, I get a little starstruck. One time I saw Jim Caviezel, the actor who played Jesus in The Passion of the Christ. And some of you are like, I don't know who that is. But, <laughs> but I saw him on the Queen Mary one time. And I walked past him and I said, Jim. <laughs> and I was with my wife and she was just like, no, don't do this. But I, <laughs> I had to do that. So, um, But what happened at this conference was this man, he was teaching some solid leadership principles. They were true. They were true. And at one point, he said something about his 19 kids. <laughs> and he said it in passing. He said, yeah, you know, I was talking to one of my 19 kids. And everyone's like, 19 kids. And you could hear the groan in the crowd. 19 kids. And so he, he was talking, and I thought to myself, wow, what would it be like to you know, to, to parent that many kids. Uh, it turns out he, he had four, some biologically, and he adopted um, over a dozen. And, you know, he shared this story, and it caught my attention. And uh, they threw out these basketballs to the, to the crowd to get your basketball signed by this guy. And so I, I got a basketball. Actually, I'm like, I got this little ball, and then they were going to take pictures with the guy. And so I got in line to get my ball signed by the guy. And other people were just standing in line getting pictures. And if you, if you just got a picture with the man, it took about five seconds. He posed, you posed, and that was it. But if you had a basketball, it took about 30 seconds for him to sign his name. And so I figured, I've got, about, I've got 30 seconds for one question. So what's it going to be, Josh? So I, I, I think, okay. Okay, I got the question. And it was, it was sort of, how do you captivate? How did you captivate your kids? I mean, so many kids, so much on your plate. How, do you, how, do you, how did you take the time for your kids in your busy life? Because I, I, I've got three kids of my own growing, you know, feels like just going a bunch of different directions. And so I asked him that question as he was signing my ball. And he, he sort of chuckled, patted me on the back, smiled for the camera, and he said, well, we had a butler, we had a maid, we had two cooks, full-time nannies, and patted me on the back. I thought, Man, I can't identify with that. <laughs> and I thought to myself, huh. And when he got off the stage, the crowd just erupted in applause. I mean, the things he said were true. They were true. I Wikipedia'd the guy as I was standing in line. And I learned a little bit more about his personal life. And there was things that he sort of whistled past in his personal life. And I felt like I was sort of living in the Proverbs for that moment. Like I saw Harold, this man who, what he said was true and real. He'd lived this stuff out for years, and people gave him a golf clap. And then I saw the celebrity motivational speaker. The things he said were true. They were, they were spot on truths about leadership. I'm not so sure. I'm not sure that they were all that real for him. And, and I, I sort of wanted, in my heart, I just wanted to get, uh, get Harold back up on the stage. And, and it wasn't my job to do that. But I wanted to say, hold on, everybody. Let's give the man the honor he deserves. Because Harold, he's just a man just faithfully plodding forward, continuing to raise guys up and focusing on them. After all, that was Jesus' plan of, of evangelism and discipleship. Just to invest. He invested deeply in some people. And I asked Randy Lanthrop, my mentor, I said, didn't, didn't that bother you? I just want to shake people. And he just kind of laughed and said, Josh, 
I'm just trying to raise guys up. I just keep trying to raise guys up, Josh. So I, Harold, he doesn't need to be impressive in this lifetime. He's just trying to raise guys up. And I, those, those examples, they, they bring to life things I've read in the Scripture. I have living examples. You, you have living examples around you. I just really want to encourage you to buy up the opportunity. I can share with you different types of uh, practices or patterns that have been passed on to me that now I'm trying to pass on. And, and uh, it, it, you know, I'd love to sit with, with any of you to talk more about things I've learned about my quiet time, things I've learned about evangelism, things I've learned about implanting our church and how to, how to start things. Uh, there's some things I've learned that I've really received and have learned in practice and, and I'm trying to pass on myself. Things about qualifying leaders for ministry. Things about spiritual warfare. How do you battle the enemy? How do you help others who are battling the enemy? Things about how do you help people respond to problems? And so, probably my favorite pattern and practice that that I personally am now trying to to share with others is I just like to share life with people. I like to share life. First Thessalonians two verse eight. Paul he 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 describes that he was delighted to share not only the gospel of God, but his life as well, because there's a group of people that have become so dear to him. And something that something that really jumped out at me at Church in the Valley was people loved genuinely. They loved people, and there's people in this ministry that they just love you. They'll, they'll make time for you. They'll share life with you. They'll share with you not only the gospel of God. They're going to share the gospel with you, but they're going to actually come alongside you and share their life with you as well. And you, you're dear to them, and that's a gift. And so as I've received that, now I'm trying to pass that on by actually sharing my life with people that God has entrusted to, to us. So I want to kind of launch you into this exercise here as, as we close. What, what are those guiding practices you've seen in your leaders? I want to encourage you to exploit the opportunity you have to learn more, to ask more, to analyze further, to try them on, to get coaching. The temptation in the Christian life is to sort of chase after the celebrities and ooh and ah the celebrities. The problem is you don't know if it's both true and real for those folks but when someone lets you get up close to them in the way that Timothy was able to get up close to Paul or in the way that you're able to get up close to some of your leaders, you're able to say, wow, that's, that's real. That's real. And then you're able to trace that pattern and live that pattern out in your own life. So take, take some time to begin these reflection questions. You don't need to completely fill this out. Maybe start by, by jotting down uh, a few, maybe one uh, name for each of these. So first one is, who has poured into your life and what have you learned? The next one, who has God placed beside you to run beside? How have you been strengthened by them? And who can you pass on what you've learned to? So why don't you take about, let's see, we have a little bit of time here, so why don't you take about uh, five to seven minutes to just work on this for a moment, okay? And begin working on this. And then I'm going to come back up and close out our time. Father, thank you for this group. So evident that, that you're at work 
amongst them. Thank you for the leaders of this group. Thank you for Neil and Melinda and the way they've poured their lives into the to their leaders and the way that their leaders uh, and directors uh, are pouring their lives into the next generation. And God, I pray that um, at each level of the baton passing, Lord, that it would be guarded very carefully and that through the help of your Holy Spirit, Lord, that the, that the full pass would, uh, would continue from generation to generation. God, through this group, you can uh, do uh, amazing uh, things. Uh, you're equipping this group to make a difference in this world. You're training them. You're giving them skills, and, and that they can be a real help in the world that you've made. But God, I pray that beyond their careers, and even through their careers, Lord, they would make a deep, deep impact for your kingdom, and that they would do that together, Lord, that they wouldn't isolate, they wouldn't try to, uh, uh, to, to be a maverick in any way, but Lord, that they would continue to run with good people, and that you would uh, continue to help them to trace very carefully, and to live out the patterns that they see with those who are ahead of them. We ask for your help in these things in Jesus' name. Amen.